Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome back to another episode of How Do You Hustle? On today's episode, we talk to Jen Phelan. She's a publicist and communications specialist based in Melbourne, and she also writes columns for the likes of Fashion Journal. It's quite unique in the journalism and PR world for someone to be a part of both sides of the fence. And throughout my career, I've actually worked on both sides as well. So I've always found it interesting if I see someone who has a similar experience, because normally people are either one or the other. But having both skills almost makes you a bit of a double threat. So Jen definitely is that. She recently started working for herself, which makes it very timely for this season and our theme of people who've started their own businesses or side hustles. I thought this would be a really great episode for business owners to get advice on how to craft their communications and PR in a way that gets their business's name out there. Um, as much as you can and gets the most value and advice on working with a publicist, working with a communications agency, what you should look for and how to get the most press basically for your business. So I hope you all enjoy this episode. I'd like to start the episode by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording the Yugambeh people and paying respects to elders past, present and emerging. You're listening to How Do You Hustle? And today we have Genevieve Phelan on the show. She is a communications consultant based in Melbourne. How are you today? I'm great. How are you going, Bronte? Happy to I'm, be here. I'm happy to have you. I feel like we've been like internet pen pals for a while. So. We have. We have. I've just been like harassing you by emails. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. You're in Melbourne. I'm in Queensland today. There's a bit of a contrast. You're all rugged up. I'm like dying of heat exhaustion. We both got a wine. Except um, mine is red and fitting for the absolute torrential rain outside. So <laughs> jealous of you. Oh my God. I know. But yeah, you, it's funny. You always kind of like look at the opposite and go, oh, that looks nice. Trust <laughs> like, me. I'm dying. Yeah. I'm hot. I need to be cooler. You need to be. Um, <laughs> So today I thought we'd do a bit of a different episode where we kind of knowledge share and like get some of your expertise and like share it with the listeners because obviously you work in the communications, PR, writing space and that's obviously something that every single business owner or side hustle um, owner like needs to kind of get across quite quickly, arguably, I would say. So to start off with, tell us about your current um, role and like what you do with yourself and maybe about a little bit about your prior experience as well. 
Cool. Yeah, so this is my first, I guess, official year sort of out on my own as a comms consultant, which basically is just a glorified way of me saying I do publicity and then a bit of editorial writing and then a lot of copywriting as well. So I really fell into the industry like quite early. I was always obsessed with magazines, so enamored by like glossies. I stashed them all under my bed. I loved that way of writing. I enjoyed books and reading novels, but I always had my head in a magazine and just thought, wow, I love these little quippy bits of writing and blurbs and copy and just, yeah, I was really besotted by it. So I knew that was where I wanted to go. Did professional communication at RMIT in Melbourne for a few years and loved school but hated uni for some reason. And I think I was just so restless and tenacious like straight out of the gate I just wanted hands-on experience immediately and that is what my degree facilitated and what RMIT are known for but I once I had a taste I was interning at that broadsheet urban list all the kind of lifestyle food titles loved it had the best mentors just had a ball and then you know I was in my late teens as well and just wanted to go and have fun with my friends so deferred uni fell into uh, actually in-house like alcohol marketing role and there I kind of had like the PR the events I just touched on everything and was real slashy in this startup culture and I built up the editorial things on the side through going to events I then met a publicist who I actually still work for a little bit now today who gave me my first ever paid writing role and I was just writing captions for Instagram accounts. So, yeah, it started there and it's zigzagged ever since. Like I did a bit of in-house copy for a few agencies, loved that. Then I moved into PR, fruit and wine PR at a great agency in Melbourne but didn't feel like I had enough creative freedom and autonomy so I lasted three months which I think is something that's really shunned and stigmatized but I knew I wasn't happy there I wanted to go and um, someone another publicist that I'd met who consulted sort of on her own and looked after great lifestyle clients she happened to DM me just as I was contemplating leaving three months in and she flew down from Sydney to Melbourne and um, she was where I landed and stayed for two years which is the longest I've ever been with someone so yeah she shaped me as a publicist and I had the best time we became great friends and she's someone who I owe everything to today and then while I did that last year the last two years in the background during COVID pandemic everything I was just building up the editorial trying to get as many bylines and published pieces copywriting for just you know all sorts of brands kind of fell into a bit of a niche and just kept being I guess diverse with what I was doing I just loved all of the things so I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into one category and now this year it's I guess just me yeah on my own doing all of that that's yeah definitely relatable for me as well like I've done the agency stint and um and you know written you know I guess um print footprint and stories and things like that had my own blog but I think I'm sort of doing my own freelance stuff at the moment as well and you're probably like me like 
I do a bit of social media, a bit of like if a friend needs a media release for their business, I'll like help them with it. Like I just kind of like dipping across all those areas. Like I think it's such transferable skills. And I've actually said that on the podcast before. Like I feel like when you studied back in the day, it was like journalism or PR, you know, radio or print. It's like now there's podcasters who write you know um for digital for online and then like have their own blog and it's like it's all the same really these days like the industry and I think to stay relevant like you have to adapt as well and even some of the greatest copywriters or you know some women in Australia who I really look up to like Zara Wong for example is a brilliant copywriter for Mecca and she runs all of those incredible campaigns and all her words are in the stores and online and again at every touch point for that that brand and she has her own incredible um, email newsletter that does so well and that I read every week and love I think you just have to have these different outlets and I guess personal brand comes into that and doing things for yourself as well as doing things for other people and other brands and companies and that's I think what I always yearned for was to always have a little slice like a little space where I could have a voice that was of my own not of another brand's or not telling somebody else's story as a publicist so that's where you know fashion journal was my first I guess editorial like proper position so I write a column or I'm a columnist there I'm a lifestyle so I write quite a few pieces a month um and it's honestly that's kind of my like soul thing that makes me the happiest is when I get to sit down and write those pieces but it's always a thing that does take the back seat and gets neglected when I get really busy totally. yeah but that was you know where I really carved out I think the voice for myself and also helped with what their voice has now become like just adorable. I love talking journal like I'm obsessed the best. <laughs> so good thinking that like the other day I'm like I've definitely had guests who I've seen then publish or you know, before or after they've been on this show. Um, but I feel like everything I see on Fashion Journal, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> Including your work. So <laughs> thank you. They've done such a good job over the last few years. Like, I remember when I went to retail and I would be waiting at the at the counter, um, you know, on Chapel Street, Windsor Smith, waiting for the physical FJ to drop so I could in, like just absorb it and indulge in it and I always thought oh my god I would die to write for them like, can you even imagine you know there was a girl at the time Eliza Sholley who's was and still is a prominent writer she went to Australian Traveller and became an editor and did lots of other things right so she messes in the letter so I used to read Eliza's pieces and it's both Melbourne girls and just Fast forward a couple of years later and one of my colleagues in publicity in the agency at the time was like, why don't you send a pitch? Why don't you write for them? Just think of an idea, write something and send it. And I think it's actually so not easy, but yeah, it's something that can easily be attained and achieved. You just have to put yourself out there that very first time, or I guess when you're young or not when you're young, but whenever. And then that's the thing I, that really kickstarted the entire career everything I think I owed to that and it still keeps going today and it still supports me as a writer but also me as a publicist and also gives me great satisfaction because I'm writing about things that hopefully matter to people and I yeah and I care about as well and it's you know my editor says to me 
look back at the last few years and all these formative years in my life and the things I've spoken about, the boys I've dated that have been terrible, the beautiful one I'm with now, all the stuff has really like documented my career um, on there. So, yeah. I love that. I think it's funny you saying that. Like I remember when I was younger, like I've always been a writer as well, but um, I used to write a journal. I wrote a journal from like age... I want to say like nine to I think I was like 19, 20. So I have yeah. this, um, which is confronting. <laughs> but um, I also wrote stories. Like I loved writing stories. Like if I was sitting at home, I'd be like writing little made up stories. Anyway, obviously I knew that was going to eventually like the only subject I did really well at it was English. But mm-hmm. what I was going to say, Obviously, that was my passion. That was what I loved. That was what I was good at. And I think it's been interesting to when you make something your career. And I think a lot of people listening that have businesses can probably relate to this. It's like once it becomes your career, it's a whole different ball game. And it's yeah. it's quite interesting to make the thing you love into your career. Like it's beautiful and it's, you know, we're blessed, but that can also come with its own challenges of like keeping the passion alive and like not making it feel you know monotonous as well so I think that's really cool that you say that you kind of like keep that outlet that's just for you because um that probably like just keeps it a little bit fresh for you and yeah it's what you're saying is so true I remember when I got that first ever piece published I was probably 19 I was heading to I was living in Cronulla in um, New South Wales and training into News Corp each day to intern at Stella Magazine my final year. And I was on a train when Sasha, the then digital editor, emailed and said she loved the piece. I think it was on being a career commitment foe, which I was finding at the time I couldn't commit and stick somewhere, which became a running thing because of that restlessness and because I didn't find somewhere that ticked all the boxes for me. But that first piece, I got that published, I was over the moon, so overjoyed, so happy. And it's crazy now you fast forward all these years and the things you take for granted or the like the chore, I don't want to say that, but sometimes the chore that it feels like when I have a deadline or when I need to think of ideas, I think back to how I would have absolutely killed to do that and how I know that young people now, you know, it's competitive, it's so hard, maybe it's even harder than it used to be. To write for certain places to, totally. to get it. it's so challenging and often not rewarding in a monetary sense at all mm, so it's yeah. a huge long game that you have to be in for and I think the one thing like that's so important is having that passion and having that I don't know the determination and the will like the talent will probably only get you so far and then yeah really gotta let the joy kind of drive you and, and push you forward so that's it yeah, it's what do you think is most different about like journalism and PR these days um, for people who aren't in the field? Like I know I'm sort of thinking about people who are starting their own business. Mm. You know, they might be looking at, I need to promote my business. Okay. There's social media, there's journalism, there's PR. Like who do I need? Um, So yeah. Like what, how would you describe that differentiation these days between the two kind of fields? And like, I know, in university 
you were probably taught this as well, like was sort of like journalism's one side, PR's one side. I think that line's blurred, but like, you know, what do you think the differences are these days? I think I've only noticed maybe in the last year or so, probably given this is my first year, yeah, running my own business, I guess, that, yeah, those lines are blurring. I think my kind of consulting and the way it differs to a traditional PR agency is that I do straddle both worlds. Like I have one foot in the media side of things. Lots of my close friends, editors, writers, I've worked with them. I've known them over the year. Like the benefit. Yeah, did a stint last year to fill in at Vogue for one month because two writers were on their secondments. So meeting these people going to these events as well as a writer and mixing and mingling, it means I have all these strong relationships in the media world. If you're a publicist starting out, you've got to really forge those relationships in different ways. You've got to go for copies. You've got to build them over over time. Um, But I think for me, yeah, at the moment, the beauty of what I'm doing lies in that I have got a foot in each world. So like publicity in a traditional sense and some of the big agencies that are out there today, they do a fantastic job at servicing certain clients. But I think where it, when it blurs, it's helpful is that I'm working with small, usually female founded startups maybe they don't have the biggest budgets maybe they want to do a three-month launch campaign and don't want to lock into a retainer they just want someone that they know they can trust to get the job done I don't set KPIs I don't do reports I honestly if someone works with me it's crazy to think because it's become so busy and I'm inundated with inquiries and I'm you know backlogged and booked now until 2023 but I'm so transparent and so honest up front that it's just me yeah, I set a KPI. I don't work in a traditional agency sense, but I have never serviced a client and not generated storytelling in press for them because it's my brand and I care and I'm a writer and a publicist. And I think, yeah, there's still very much a place for just being a publicist and just being a writer. Obviously, it's, it is different skill sets. Some of them cross over. I think some of the people I've looked up to um, in particular, a woman named Annie Carroll, who ran her own agency for the last, or own consultancy for the last five years called InProse. Annie has a really strong publishing and fashion background. And then she opened her own consultancy and was an excellent publicist. And her writing is honestly the best I've ever seen. So Annie is someone that then I looked up to and thought that's actually what I want to model probably the next few years in my life off and what she's doing. But I've never seen anyone like that probably before her. That was the first of, I guess, that kind and breed. I don't think it's something you're taught to write as a journalist and pitch as a publicist. No, but it's interesting, like, also coming from that perspective of working in both fields but in a sort of more media sense, um, like as in broadcast. But I found I knew what journalists were after way more. And I'm yeah. sure it's the same. Like it's like if I'm writing a pitch, like I'm offering them who they can speak to, why they should speak to them. It sounds basic. But these are the kind of things that need to be very considered when you're pitching. And it's like, 
obviously I've been on both sides of the fence. I've had journalists pitch to me and I've pitched to journalists and mm. seen, seen colleagues who've pitched to journalists. And yeah, I just, I'm not perfect, but like, I don't think you ever are in this field, but you know, I think like you can kind of get the gist from working on both sides of what works and what definitely doesn't. But it's interesting. Like there's no, this is the thing, like I, I've seen a bit of a rise in like training, like PR and media training for businesses to do their own PR, which I think is fabulous. Like, as you said, the, the price point is often not accessible to a lot of businesses. But what I find interesting about that is just like, I think it takes a lot. I mean, why not give it a go? You can pitch, but it's like, I think it takes a lot of practice before you really know. And to even like have the access to the contacts is like a whole other thing as well. And even if you have the contacts, if you don't know what they write and actually read their material, familiar with them and can relate to them and can actually give them something that is appropriate for them. Like I receive, again, I have one inbox that I pitch out of and receive a million pitches a week too. And sometimes you receive things and you're just like, you know, it's a kid's clothing brand or something like for babies. I'm like, where would I be writing about that? And it's fine. I just delete those ones. I try and respond to as many emails as possible because I think that is nice and polite. I I would love feedback always when I pitch out a client. I'd love to know why it's a yes or a no so I can report back to them. So always try and reply, but it's just frustrating when people send you emails that literally have no relevance to you at all. So I think, yeah, being having a taste of both sides definitely shows you how to construct a pitch, how to send an email to someone. Half the time it's literally, it could be two sentences just saying, hey, I've got this great thing opening. Like I just wanted to see if this if you're like, has any potential, any legs for you. Like, are you writing about this in the next two weeks? Can you just let me know? Like, Thanks so much. Hope you're having a great day. And that's all it takes. You don't need to do the full like three-page press release and all the highlighted text in the really? email. It just hurts the art. Like, it just... And so, say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. 
So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Like sometimes less is more, um, but I find that interesting that you say that because I know... I know we were taught you're sort of told to include as much information as possible. I mean, certainly there's got to be some level of background for the reader um, that you're pitching to. But, yeah, I think (laughs) sometimes it's like pages and pages and you're like, mate, if you think I'm going to read this, like (laughs) it's not happening. (laughs) And also, dare I say it, I'm obviously more inclined to open an email from someone I know. So this is the whole thing that goes relationships I think when you have people to lean on and you build a network it doesn't have to be that obviously you could be pitching to someone overseas that you've never met but I think just being able to be personable or even try and relate to someone if you have never met them in the flesh it just goes such a long way if you're opening an email that is coming from someone that you're like oh I enjoy reading their emails like they make it fun they make it different I feel like they're actually speaking to me and not a hundred other people copying and pasting this Exactly, a bit of research, and it doesn't yeah. take very long. It really doesn't. No, take very long. Not at all. People that are listening to this who want to learn more about public relations and and media in general, what like if we're going to break it down, what are some like key tips you give for people that are wanting to get maybe their business featured online, like an online publication, like Broadsheet, for example, or. Yeah. Urban List or um, Pedestrian yeah. or I mean I know it's different publication to publication but yeah. even weekend editions of newspapers someone that's just wanting to get their business out there what would you say is the best thing if if they're not going to go to a big agency I mean obviously we'd recommend they work with a consultant like yeah I, but what would the piece of advice you would give when it comes to like trying to get yourself out there on your own if you did want to go down that path yeah I think absolutely strong visual assets are compulsory especially if you're going print I mean this completely differs with the product service etc and is dependent on the story but I think strong visual assets like yeah. images or videos or yeah yeah so images if it's a product yeah yeah if it's a venue or a space um maybe researching the publication you're pitching to seeing what the images look like on the site are they landscape probably because media prefer landscape 
then you should ensure that all your photos are media ready and media facing landscape. Like have they been shot by a photographer that maybe broadsheet uses a lot if you have the budget to do something like that. Um, then obviously, yeah, getting to know the writer or the contributing editor or whoever you're pitching to, getting to know what they write about. Maybe you've read some of their recent pieces and just want to say, hey, I really enjoyed this article on XYZ. Then I think obviously having a press release, I don't think it's 100% necessary. Again, completely dependent on what we're pitching. But if it is, you know, this a new um, wine, then maybe you do want to have like a tasting note sheet attached or a fact sheet, something that if you were going to write or read an article, uh, if there's compulsory information, pop it in a separate document that won't clog up the whole entire email body copy then okay. in the body copy you can say hello maybe two to three little pars little sentences on who you are what your brand is what your ethos is what's your point of difference there's a hundred lingerie labels that are emerging That's at the moment amazing. what makes you different is it the materials at the moment if it's a fashion brand a writer is really caring about natural fibers yes are they caring about ethics yes and manufacturing uh, maybe also being aware of like buzzwords and things that are just annoying and repeated all the time that sustainability doesn't really mean anything anymore True. in terms of fashion pitching yeah. so again just point of difference keeping it real keeping it conversational not sounding too robotic in your email and then saying here are some angles or here are some story ideas that I've come up with I'd love to workshop these with you if you're interested and literally dot pointing out headlines as you would read them in that particular publication so it's going to be different on the fashion journal than it is to broadsheet I think that's really good advice and I think you're right like in my experience um half the time for clients even I haven't wrote a media release I've just wrote a pitch because yeah. people are time poor everyone's time yeah. so really carving it out and like giving them the facts of like why they should actually cover it what the point of difference is I think you're right that's really really great advice so one more thing which sounds this is you know a little bit cheeky but if you have capacity and budget to gift media don't yeah. do it like really nearly and and too much and excessively if it's if you, they're not going to really genuinely enjoy it uh, especially if it's you know a beautiful dress or something that's quite expensive and costly to make but pinpointing people who you think oh my gosh she would rock like our particular aesthetic of clothing um you know she's got a significant engaged following as you know a micro influencer and a writer and offering that person to choose something maybe from your lookbook or offering to invite them in if you've got like a fabulous day spa just trying to immerse i think the writer in something or at least get it in their wardrobe or their bathroom or their kitchen it means that if you don't get a story in the next month it's top of mind if they're writing a roundup of the 10 best independent swimwear labels for the summer because they're they're wearing it and they're also telling people that they work with probably in the industry who it's from and it's you know on them or with them or in their possession so that's a big one amazing and what about so with social media now like obviously the lines with PR is like publicists are now influencer managers or influencer outreach or TikTok. I don't know. They're, they're just kind of all immersed in all of the things. Um, so, yeah, like do you think that brands need to be doing that? 
from your perspective? Oh, again, I think it's so case by case. Yeah. I don't do any influencer management, right. content management per se, but I also do recommend, you know, potentially getting some, I always say that, creatives, people that are relevant and maybe stand for something that is in line with the brand. Exactly. If we're not getting a strong response from media, then maybe as a publicist you can be creative and look at other avenues to generate awareness um, in getting in touch with, you know, someone like Jessica Newen if it's a great new olive oil or someone that's a prominent stylist. Maybe if the journalists haven't been giving you much love, you can get in touch with some of the freelance stylists that are styling for Harper's or styling for Bell magazine. So I think it, it is a way that publicity is evolving because there is only a certain pool of publications that has grown and changed in the last couple of years when we thought print was dying and now it's fully like revived itself in a fun way now there's but, podcasts as well like you can be podcast yeah, quite easily podcast 100 percent um and i think it just it all comes down to creativity it's not thinking in this like very caged like linear sense of okay pr i have to get my dress into vogue print yeah it might be only a bit high if you're a tiny little yeah but also just knowing and I guess thinking about quality over quantity as well don't don't try and work with like 10 of the biggest most followed influencers in your um, business like space try and think of people that maybe are a little bit more untapped or are influential in in different ways I love Um, that advice yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big one. I think I think we're in a sad place if the only reason we're ever going to a journalist or a writer is because they've got 30k following, you know? Yeah. Because someone, as you said, someone might have a thousand or two thousand followers or five thousand followers, but they're like all magazine editors and they'll see it, you know? So 100%. yeah, it extends so far beyond like what we see on a screen as well. I think you know, we're forgetting about how it's unquantifiable in the fact that you can be raving about a brand. Like I'm wearing a jumper right now that is from a past fashion client that I wear so regularly that everyone knows that I live in that Melbourne-based fashion brand. And that's word of mouth and that's telling my friends that they have to go check out the showroom. It's telling people at events. It's telling fellow writers. It's just so much more than achieving a hit. It's not static like that. You can't measure it and say it's reached this many people. No, it hasn't. Just because they, they're followed by 400,000 people. 400,000 people haven't seen haven't that. Seen product. It. That's it probably doesn't translate into sales. So that's why I think I've started consulting and doing it this way because sometimes the agency way I'm like, well, you're paying this much money, but what are you actually getting in return? For your brand it's a good point you've obviously done a lot in your career so far but what what do you kind of see the next few years for you looking like and like what are some I guess brands you really want to align with and the work kind of work you see yourself doing it's a really hard one I think I'm quite determined to stay consulting like just on my own for as long as I can but I also am already feeling the the pressure and the craziness and I don't want to burn myself out that we all talk about it but burnout is a real thing and at the moment like I'm army crawling till the end of this year trying to also like enjoy the moment because I know all this stuff is so amazing and I'm loving it and love the people I work with and the clients I have but 
you know, I do think, okay, well, I need to hire someone. Do I maybe need to get someone who can freelance and support me in one of the pillars of the business, you know, the copy PR editorial? Can I get someone to help me with that? If I'm constantly out at new client meetings and meeting people and wanting to show my face at events and then host client events because there's only so many hours in the day and then, you know, you have to have your, you have to have your full cup and you have to have your weekends and your friends and your everything. So I do want to keep it just to be doing this for as long as I can, but that has crossed my mind. Um, and I hope I can also carve out just a bit more time next year for my own little editorial like loves. And I have been talking with another um, editor and writer who is absolutely fabulous. And we have started sort of brainstorming the early phases of potentially launching our own publication next year. So it's all very... It's all very just initial, like, brand up, wine, lunch discussions. I love that. You know, we just kind of had a few rosés one day and we're talking about all this stuff and our, our early love for writing and how if we're on our deathbeds one day, we'll be so upset if we haven't tried to write something longer than an article. So there is, I think, a space for maybe something that fills some of the missing voids in the Australian, like, publication landscape at the moment oh, we'll watch see. this space we shall see oh, <laughs> i don't know how or when but that is a goal that's really exciting and i think i don't know it's something i think too because i think there is a lot of publications out there but online is also absolutely thriving and like i know that's where i get all my source and like now there's so many niches. There's like wellness publications. There's, mm-hmm. um, you know, fashion. There's food. There's everything. I mean, there always has been for many years. Like as I said, I used to have sort of a bit of an online zine and and website at yeah. one point, and um, wrote about culture and things like that. But like, I think now it's just on a whole different scale because seriously. And if you're good yeah. at social media oh. and the marketing part world's your oyster just so much to consume but then if you start something it's such a beast as well so we have this vision of like something actually tactile that you can hold in your I mean I'm obsessed with the new in style that's come back I think they're like nailing it and covering so much and keeping it really cool and relevant but you know some of the big publications and mastheads like dare I say it um maybe don't like engage and really enjoy their stuff, I don't make time for it anymore. So, yeah, something that taps into, like, the kind of niche millennial Gen Z zeitgeist in a more conversational, anecdotal way, but something physical, I don't know. I like that. Um, So if people want to follow your journey or maybe have heard um, some of this advice and would like to know, you know, more about, the work you do or or working with you or pitching to you, um, where can they go? So I have a website which is just my whole full name, genevievefeelin.com.au. That's got all my contact info and some past work and current clients on there. So it's a bit of a live portfolio. And then also my Instagram, just Instagram is so powerful. It's such a business meets personal space for me like it's yeah, a- you've got it as both haven't you on your yeah I, just, I mean I thought about swapping and naming all this something else but 
I think it is me and my own brand. And so my Instagram is another good place. And that's just Genevieve.feeling. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I know that some of this information and knowledge is going to be so valuable to our listeners. And yeah, all the best with the consulting. Thank you so much, Bronte. Congrats on the podcast. And this is such a fun little way to end my Friday. So thank you. It was just such a joy to talk to Genevieve. And I really hope that you've taken something out of that episode. I think there's a lot of really useful information for people that may not have been aware of what's involved with PR or pitching to magazines. And definitely something that I can even take away from that in just seeing how motivated and dedicated Genevieve is in her career and she really has achieved a lot in what she does so thanks again for coming on the show if you would like to follow us go to at how do you hustle on tiktok or instagram you can also follow us on spotify or apple podcasts give us a like or a rating and we will see you all for our next episode 